Welcome to the Be Tween Podcast. This is where we encourage tweens to be bold, be honest, and be the best they can be. I'm Rylan. And I'm Rylan's Nana, Jill. And we are the hosts. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, friends, we're talking about how it's okay to be different. Yeah. So, Rylan, how are you different from other kids your age? Well, I'm pretty sure a lot of my friends are taller than me. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> yes, you are vertically challenged. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Vertical is up high. And uh, so you're vertically challenged. <laughs> is there any other way that you're different? Um, I also have food allergies. And a lot of that is dairy. And it's really hard at Thanksgiving because there's a lot of pies and I can't have that. Mm, yeah, you had a situation the other day. Yeah. You're like the, you guys had a Friendsgiving mm-hmm. or something. And there was, your mom told me there were 20 things sitting out and you could only have four of them. Yeah. And that didn't make you feel good, did it? No. Yeah. Well, our guest today is Lisa DeWeert, and she understands being different because Lisa was born with smaller muscles in her hands and her arms. And she's come to talk to us about how to handle being different and how it's okay to be different. So welcome to the Between Podcast, Lisa. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. Can you tell us a little a bit about yourself? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so my name is Lisa. I am from the great old town of Normal, Illinois, which I think is kind of funny when we're talking about this topic a little bit. I just turned 25. I graduated from graduate school just a few months ago and now work at a university and I teach and do career advising. I love that. And Lisa, I can remember when you were like four years old, so I can't believe you're 25. (laughs) I was going to say, Jill and I go way back. So Me that is too. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Way back. Yep. So I love that. Well, tell us a little about your journey with your arms. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say that the virtual world that we are living in is so funny because I am meeting and talking to everyone over a camera. And just by looking at this camera, you wouldn't even know that anything is different about me physically. So that's been kind of an interesting journey. But so I was born with smaller muscles in my arms and hands, just like they said. The technical word is called arthrogryposis, multiplex congenita, which AMC for short. To be honest, I didn't even learn that word until about four or five years ago. So... which is kind of funny. Um, now that I'm in this community, a lot of people don't know the technical word, um, for what they were born with, which I think is kind of funny, but so, you know, if you were to see me, or if you look at pictures of me on social media or anything, my left arm is permanently bent and stuck at a right angle. Um, so it kind of goes across my stomach and then my right arm is pretty straight, but then on both wrists, they're kind of curved under a little bit. And so really what that means, um, is that I was some, at some point in the womb, which is weird. I don't really know how else to say that. Um, Mm -hmm. my muscles just kind of stopped developing. And what's interesting about this and a stat that I love to talk about, it just kind of goes towards my faith journey and how I feel like this is just such for a purpose Mm -hmm. is that people who have AMC 
it's about one in every 3,000 births, which is a bit more common than what like I would have guessed. But about 90 to 95% of people who are born with it, so it's already rare, but about 90% of people who do have it, it affects their entire body. So their head and their arms and their legs and their feet um, and everything. And so as you can imagine, if that means smaller muscles, it means you can't walk. It means that your skull hasn't developed fully, et cetera, et cetera. And by a miracle, it just kind of stopped in my arms and my shoulders. And so I am pretty much, I'm only impacted in my arms, hands, and a little bit in my shoulders. And so that's why it's so rare. I actually only know two other people in this entire planet who look like me, kind of. Um, and we have kind of the same uh, <laughs> same kind of appearance. But to kind of quickly answer your journey um, and something that I would love to highlight is that this is a new thing for me. Even though I've had this my entire life, I was fine talking about it. I didn't mind talking about it. Um, I would actually never say that it's been a giant insecurity of mine. But in the last couple of years is when I've really started to enjoy talking about it. Before it was just kind of a thing that I had to bring up um, if a situation were to arise and I wouldn't really care, but it was never a conversation that I sought out. And just a couple of years ago in graduate school, I realized that I actually do have a story to tell. And I realized that I do have unique experiences and my story might be able to help other people. And so it's a journey. I've recently been involved in different communities um, with people with physical differences and disabilities and never in a million years would I have wanted to do that like five years ago. So it's definitely been a journey that I've noticed. And I bet when you were a tween, like Rylan is, you probably couldn't even have imagined that you would be doing this today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That would have made me cry. Like if someone asked me, like, could you go on a podcast and talk about your arms again? Oh, no, not at all. That's great. What have been the hardest things for you to learn to do? Mm. That's a really great question. And I would say I'm mostly independent. I actually live by myself right now, which is a huge um, success in my mind that I've learned how how to live independently. One thing that I still cannot do ever is put my hair in a ponytail and all of my friends, I've taught them all how to put my hair in a ponytail. Like if you meet me within a week or so, I'm going to hand you a ponytail holder and you're going to put my hair up. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one thing that I have not found a solution to. But little things growing up, I just really had to find a different way to do it. And so like getting dressed was a big adventure that I had to learn how to do. And I really didn't try to do that independently until I wanted to start doing sleepovers. I remember that very well when I was about 10 or 12, I wanted to start sleeping over at friends' houses and my parents weren't there to help me change my clothes or do random things. And so I developed this like over the door hook thingy-majig that I would put over the door and it would help me change my clothes. And so little things like that, I think I've been harder to learn. But again, the more that I put into it, the more rewarding I feel at the end. Cause then I'm like, no, I can do this. And I think over time, my confidence has just kind of built because of that. Oh, that's good. You know, Rylan, we talked about on a previous episode about the value of making mistakes. Yeah. I'm thinking Lisa, that you've made lots of mistakes along the way, trying to figure out how to accomplish something and practicing things with your different arms. But then you have learned by making those mistakes, right? 
Absolutely. And I think so many times I was frustrated and I mean, it, and it, and I love the question that you said about your journey because it was not a, okay, I'm going to try and learn how to take this out of the oven and I'm going to try five different times and I'm going to get it at the end of the day. We're talking years mm. of, you know, of, of me saying, oh, I can't get something out of the oven. So I'm just not even going to go there. And I never tried, but then about once every six months, there would be a frozen pizza that I really wanted. And I was staying home alone and I'm like, okay, let's try it. And then I would try it again. And then, you know, sometimes it would work. And sometimes there'd be a pizza upside down on the floor in the kitchen, but you learn over time. And I mean that, I mean, and now I can put a pizza in and out of the oven, but that took like five years of me just trying different things. Cause sometimes you don't always have the motivation to make mistakes and to try things. But I think it's important to look at that journey long-term and really mm-hmm. celebrate the things that you've been able to learn about yourself. Mm. Were you ever yeah. scared to try new things? Yes. Especially when other people were involved. <laughs> oh, um, Right. Like if I was home alone and needed to get the pizza out, it's okay if I try it. And if I look kind of weird doing it because no one else is there, but yeah, like I remember in high school, I never played sports and I, I don't, and looking back, I'm not quite sure. I mean, obviously my physical ability had something to do with that, but I'm also like the least competitive person on the planet. So I even think if I was born more average, I don't even think I would have played sports. But anyway, I was the photographer, um, for my sports when I went into high school. And I remember being so scared because we had to use this big camera and I was like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to hold this? Like, and everyone looks at you, right. If you think about like a basketball game and the photographer, like you're down, you know, walking around, people are looking at you. And so that was so scary. And I remember, Mm -hmm. and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but like the biggest piece of advice that I will give that I have learned is to find really good friends. Maybe it's just one friend or two friends who you can say, Hey, I'm really nervous about doing this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I had my one best friend in high school. And I remember before the first high school game, I went to her and I said, I'm really nervous about dropping the camera. I'm really nervous about people staring. And she's like, it's okay, Lisa, you got it. Like I'll walk around with you the first time. Like, would that help? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I think kind of learning those strategies and learning what's going to help kind of calm your nerves um, has really helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, it sounds like really you've also had to learn how to be courageous and push through the fear. Yes. And because I think a lot of times we let fear stop us. Yes. And so we have to push through that fear. But I love that you invited somebody else into your fear. That's really what you did. Which is scary within itself. That's a whole nother conversation of getting the confidence to tell someone else that you're scared to get the confidence to bring someone else into it, I think is so important and it's hard. You know, it took me a very, very long time to be able to trust people to say that, right. Or to even say, I remember when I was about your age, Rylan, and I remember like, I couldn't going back to the sleepover thing, like I getting, getting changed, my clothes was a really hard thing. And that was like, kind of embarrassing to me. Right. I was like, I don't really want to tell people that like, I need help with this. But then I found that one friend who I felt very confident sharing that with, and then she helped me. And Mm. then it, you know, and then it became 
it became a joint thing. Instead of just me trying to figure it out by myself, it was a dual thing that we were sharing that we could both brainstorm and help each other. So that was really important to me. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What message do you want tweens like me to know if they're dealing with something like that makes them different from others? Yeah, that's a really great question. Thank you for asking it because I think that's really important to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I had to learn the hard way is that comparison, you know that phrase, comparison is the thief (laughs) of joy. And I know that that is so cliche, but when you really think about it, we were all uniquely wired to live out our own story. And the second that we start wanting to live someone else's story or change our story, we're losing who we were created to be. And so when you're thinking about, when you ask about fear and pushing through things, I would say, encourage yourself to ask, is this something that is part of my story that I was designed and I was created to share with other people? And if it is, think about who can you bring into that? Who can you bring in? Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your brother, your sister. Maybe it's a best friend. Bring someone else into that so that you're not doing it alone because Mm -hmm. you are going to make mistakes. And there are going to be times when you are going to feel embarrassed and it did not play out the way that it was in your head. And what can really be detrimental is after that happens, after a slip up happens or after something happens where you just don't feel good about yourself, do you keep that inside and let those lies kind of tell yourself who you are, which is not good. It's redefining your story and your identity Or I think when you vocalize it out loud, other people can say, yeah, that must have felt really bad. And like, I validate that. But let me tell you truth about yourself. And let me tell you all of the wins that you actually had about yourself. So I'd say that that's really important. Just believe and have surround yourself with people who can constantly remind you that your story is so unique. And don't you dare for a second think that your story and your life needs to look like your best friends, because that's what makes us awesome is that we're all going to have really different stories. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, me too. yeah. And I love your focus on the word story, Lisa. I think that we don't realize that we all have a story. And I, I, what you were just talking about too, about keeping. So when we keep those when we tell ourselves lies or we believe lies about ourselves and we keep it in the dark, it makes things so that we believe them even more. But the minute we speak them out loud to someone, then all of a sudden it takes away some of their hold on us. And so what you're talking about, I think is really, really important. Because when we nurture those in the dark and we keep them only in our head and nobody else knows them, Mm -hmm. it becomes really dangerous. And I think this is really important for tweens, Rylan, because there's a lot going on up up in that head of yours, right? And it's just stuck there. (laughs) It is. You can't share it. Well, you feel like you can't share it, but it's important that you do share it. You find someone safe to talk to so that you can talk about the things you're thinking about. Yeah. Yep. So Lisa, how has faith played a role in this for you? 
Oh my gosh, everything. (laughs) I went to a conference about a year and a half ago out in Utah with a bunch of women who look kind of like me. We all have some sort of physical difference. And it was interesting. It was not a faith-based retreat at all. And so it was really interesting to kind of see myself and other people if I did not have the faith that I did. And so I guess what I mean by that is if I did not know that the Lord created me perfectly, like in the Psalms, like beautifully and wonderfully made, I think I would have a lot of doubts and a lot of insecurity and a lot Mm. of confusion about why, like, why me? (laughs) Like we all have these issues. And this is something I talk about a lot is that we all have like things that we're insecure about or that we don't want to talk about. And most of the time those are invisible and other people can't really see them just by looking at you. But for people like me, mine is visible. So like you see it right away. And so I don't necessarily have to choose when to disclose it or when to tell it to other people, because people can see it from the second that they meet me. Whereas other people, things that they're insecure about or parts of their identity, you wouldn't know unless that person were to tell you and get into that conversation. And so I think with my, you know, going back to the question about my faith, I see that as such a vital role in the story that God has given me that I do think that he has given me a little extra boost of confidence to talk about it. I mean, even I look back and I am just amazed at how the Lord gave me just the confidence and the communication skills from a very young age. Because people always ask me, ever since I was little, people ask me, what's wrong with your arms? That's always the question I get. And I always responded, that's just the way God made me. And I remember saying that from when I was like, five years old. And like, I still sometimes say that like, Oh, that's just the way God made me. And I truly believe that. And if there are people out there who I can help and encourage because of this, like, then I'm all for it. Like, like God can use me in that way. And I am so excited for that journey, but I'm not saying it's easy. Like I'm, you know, I've talked about the positive things, but you know, there has been moments, you know, in those moments where I mess up and I slip up and I don't feel that good about myself. If I'm constantly looking for other people for that validation, I'm always going to be disappointed, right? If I'm, you know, and so I think reminding myself in those situations about what God does say about me and not what the darkness and those kind of yucky feelings are telling me about myself and replacing it with what God has told me about myself. I mean, it's made me who I am today and I have no idea where I would be without that knowledge and that love of God that I've, you know, brought into my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so very important. And I think that that's important for all of us, whether we deal with a disability or a difference or not, is that we all need that foundation of faith in our life. And especially for tweens, I know it's hard. We're trying to figure it out, aren't you? Trying to figure out faith and what is, how does that apply to your life? But it's an important journey to be on. Yeah. So how about your friends or family? How do they play a role in your life? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would go back to saying what I said about finding a really close friend group, I think is so important. Again, no matter if you have a physical disability or difference or not, finding a really close knit 
group of friends, preferably of the same uh, gender. (laughs) Um, But that's a whole nother topic. But finding that group of girls for me who I felt comfortable and safe, who I could trust to talk about the things that I don't really want the world knowing. (laughs) I think I learned and I have learned over the last couple of years that I will not grow as a person unless I am honest and say things out loud. I am a very verbal processor and some people are not, but I, if I keep something inside, you know, something is weird. And Mm -hmm. so I've really learned how to trust to tell other people. Um, So I think that friend group is essential. I think my family, um, I mean, they laid the whole foundation of who I am today. My parents, I I couldn't say anything negative about them, the way that they handled it. Um, My siblings are amazing. You know, they brought it up when it was needed to be brought up and they did not bring it up when it wasn't needed. And I heard it said really well um, the other day was that, you know, my mom, she challenged me when I needed to be challenged. And she accepted when the answer was no, and I didn't want to try something new today. (laughs) Ah. I was like, I think that that's so accurate because even I see that in this community a little bit of um, family pushing them and keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And that's hard over time. And you need time to kind of process that. So I think that that's everything. Just make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who you feel safe to talk about, whether that's family or friends things like that. So I would say everything. Yeah, that's good. Lisa, this has been so good. Thank you. Thank you. you. We haven't really been able to talk to one of the things we wanted to talk about is um, how to be a friend to someone who has a disability um, and, you know, how to, how to be comfortable around people with disabilities. So would you be willing to come back and talk to us and, and do another episode where we can explore that? I would love to, because I think that that is something, I think people always want to ask these questions and they never know how to approach people. Do you ask if they can help? Do you bring it up in conversation? When do you bring it up in a friendship? So I would love to come and talk more about that. I think that's so important. Okay. Good deal. Lisa, thank you so much for being a great guest. (laughs) I can't wait for our next conversation. By the way, how can people um, stay in touch with you? Yes, that's a great thing. Okay, so I... I'm such a dork. I love email. Is that weird? They can email me. um, But I would also say Instagram is probably where I'm the most um, there. And so my Instagram um, is, do I even remember? Lisa, L-A-S-A, underscore, underscore, Jane, J-A-N-E, underscore, underscore. Okay. So that's my Instagram. We will make sure and put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, we look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Between Podcast. Want to know when a new episode drops? Make sure you subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. Until next time, be bold, be honest, and be the best you can be.